The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, let's take our Bibles. Turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, let's look at verse number 1. Paul writes here, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be innocent in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teaching, teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have today. I pray that the teaching of your word would be profitable to your people, and I pray that you would use it to glorify yourself. Thank you for this time now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time we, we met, uh, I looked at the first benefit of doctrine to the believer, which was that good doctrine matures the believer. Now this morning, I would like to look at more of these benefits, and I planned on, on addressing two of them. Hopefully I'll, I'll get through it. I'll try to stay on track and not wander down rabbit trails so we can, we can get all of the, all of the uh, blanks on your answer sheet done today. But I want to this morning discuss number two, that good doctrine ministers to the believers. Good, doc, good doctrine ministers to the believer. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Peter writes, For if these things, well, a matter of fact, let's go there. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. I think it's profitable that we look at these verses. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time developing these because Pastor taught on this on Sunday night. He preached on this just recently, uh, this very text of Scripture. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it's necessary if, I, if I'm going to discuss our doctrine ministering to us, it's necessary that we look at these things. So look at Second Peter chapter 1 with me, please. And... Um, we're going to go ahead and back up. Actually, let's start reading at verse number four. Uh, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, you might want to pay close attention to that word these, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Now look at verse 8. For if these things be in you. What things is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the things we just read. Faith, virtue, knowledge, all these things. If these things be in you and abound... They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sense. Now, 
The things that Peter is speaking of here are the tenets of our doctrine. They are, they are basically the foundation of, of, our, of our faith, our life in Christ. Sometimes we refer to these as fruits of the Spirit. And they, they, are the, they are the actions that come from our lives if and when we are Spirit-filled believers. If and when we walk in the Spirit, these, these attributes will flow from our life. And they won't, they won't flow, con- they won't even be conscious. They're just going to be automatic in our life because we, <coughs> excuse me, because we are disciplined in our walk with Christ. So, in verse 3 of, of 1 Peter, he tells us that these tenets are the things that pertain unto life and godliness. Uh, then in verse 8, he tells us, for if these things be in you and abound. In other words, if they abound in our life, uh, we will be fruitful Christians. Now, what does it mean, abound? It, it means to, to, to occupy at all times. It means to be filled with. It means to be overflowing with, as a matter of fact. Um, we will grow and succeed in all that we endeavor to do for Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 58, <laughs> Paul writes, <clears throat> Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, he says we're to be steadfast. Uh, this has, the, this has the, um, the, the picture, if you would, of being like a tree. Matter of fact, Psalms tells us that we're to be like a tree, right? A tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, Psalm 1. Uh, so we, we are like a tree. We, we are to be steadfast. We're to be planted. We're to be grounded. This is why studying doctrine is so important. It's important that we do not forget. And do you understand human beings are forgetful? <laughs> you understand that? We forget, don't we? You ever get so busy and so involved in something that you even forget about God? Oh, I have. I've, 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 had, I've, I've been so, so busy and so involved in something, and suddenly I wake up and say, wait a minute. And I all of a sudden remember the Lord. It's easy to forget. We are very forgetful creatures. And so we need to be grounded. Young people, you need to be grounded, especially as you get older and you go into high school and you go further into college, there are going to be attacks against your faith. There are going to be challenges against, against biblical principles. And if you're not grounded, you will become overtaken by these cares and concerns. So he says we need to be steadfast, unmovable, and then always abounding in the work of the Lord. That, that, that tells me that you can never stop learning. If you reach a point in your life where you think you've amassed enough knowledge that you don't need to learn anymore, uh, you're in trouble as a, as a believer. Because if you're not going forward, you're not going to stand still. So if you're not going forward, where are you going? Backwards. And so you need to always 
be abounding. We need to be doing more and more all the time. More prayer, more prayer, more study, more, more service, more working in the church, more witnessing for Christ. More, 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 all the time, moving forward. What did Paul say? He said, forgetting those things which are behind. We can't, listen, we can't change our mistakes of the past, right? So don't worry about them. You made them, confess them, learn the lessons from them, but don't dwell on them because you can't, you can't go back and undo what you did. So forget about the problems, and you also can't rest on past achievements, Right? You don't believe that? Ask a, ask a pro coach or, or a, a pro player if they can rest on last week's victory. No, 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 no. I, I, I read an interview with George Seifert once. How many of you know who George Seifert was? With George Seifert once, and, and he was asked, how long do you enjoy a victory? He said, from the time it takes me to walk from the field house, from the field to the field house, because that's the only chance I get to celebrate a victory. After that, it's back to work. On to the next game. And that's the way it is in the Christian life, my friends. You had a great day for Christ today? Praise the Lord. Be thankful. Tomorrow's another day. And while God appreciates what you did yesterday, the world doesn't care. And they're going to attack you again. So we forget those things, Paul said. But then what does he say we do? We press toward the mark. We keep going forward. Keep reaching forward. So we need to always be abounding in, 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 the, in the work of the Lord. So let's look at these seven attributes real quickly this morning, if you would. Number one, letter A on your state, on your, on your, on your study sheets, is, is faith. And faith is salvation. Salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is by God's grace that we are given faith. We don't, we don't have faith on our own. Uh, faith is a gift from God. He, he, he enlightens us and he enables us to have faith. If it were not for God, our faith would not exist. Because the human nature is not to live by faith for God. The human nature is to live for self. Human nature is to to live for material things. So when we talk about faith, we're talking about salvation, or we could even say grace. Uh, everything rises and falls on this one truth. The primary goal of all our doctrine is to point us to Christ. There is no hope for salvation apart from Jesus. I think we can all agree with that. There's no hope for salvation apart from Christ. And everything that has to do with faith points us to Christ. In Acts chapter 4, we read, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And salvation and grace is the product of our faith. And our faith is, is a gift to us from God. We are 
quickened, made, made, made alive from the dead. We are, we are um, enabled to understand the truth of the gospel. And we are enabled by God to exercise faith. But remember that Paul stated that we are saved through faith. Faith is exhibited when we do that which we cannot do. Uh, and when we do that which we cannot do, any sure way of knowing we will succeed. So faith isn't, faith isn't doing something that, that we, we, we can do, or faith is not doing something that we, we know the result of. Faith is, is doing the things that we do in life, uh, the things that we, we cannot do in our own power, and the things which we do not even know will, will succeed. A lot of things we do are that way. Tithing, right? Uh, a lot of things we do in our life, we don't, we don't know if, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do them because we, we know they're right to do. It does not take faith to obey when obedience costs us nothing. When, when our life is going well, when things are, are good at home, when our children are all obeying us, when our bank account has money in it, when the refrigerator is full of food, when our job just promoted us and gave us a big raise and we've got all this power and authority at work and when we're popular among all our friends, when everything is going really good, it doesn't take faith to obey, does it? We obey because, it's, because we, we, we just, we're just happy. It doesn't cost us anything to obey. But what about when things aren't going so well? What about when you're laid off? What about when your bank account's overdrawn? What about when the, the only thing in the refrigerator are two mice fighting over the last piece of cheese? Huh? What, what about when your health is gone? What about when your kids are misbehaving? What about when your wife is mad at you? Then it's not so easy to obey. That's when it takes faith to obey. That's when we obey because it's right to do. No one will ever have the kind of faith that we need if they follow corrupt doctrine. Follow the wrong teaching. Corrupt doctrine will always allow a believer to justify his disobedience. When you follow, when you follow, biblical, when you follow teaching that gives you loopholes around God's laws, that's not going to help you. And you're going you're gonna to end up in failure. You're going to end up in disappointment. See? And, and boy, I tell you, there's a lot of those doctrines out there, isn't there? There's a lot of those doctrines out there that, that have loopholes around God's law. And so good doctrine, correct doctrine, uh, is necessary for us to have this kind of faith. We're not, gonna, we're, not gonna, we're not going to exercise the kind of faith that we need to exercise unless we are taught properly and correctly concerning the doctrines of God. But to faith, secondly, um, Peter says we add virtue. Now by virtue, uh, I mean morality. And for this, we talk, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Not fruits. Fruit of the Spirit. There are, there are different elements to the fruit of the Spirit, isn't there? There's love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. But they all work together to create one fruit. It's like an apple. An apple has, has a core, it has the, the, the flesh, and it has the peel. But 
all three together make what? The apple, right? Uh, So the same is true when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. If you're truly Spirit-filled, if you truly have virtue, you're not going to have love, joy, and peace, but you don't have gentleness, goodness, meekness, and faith. Okay, you're going to have them all. They're all going to be they're all going to be present in your life. They're all going to going to occupy your life. Uh, Galatians chapter five and verse 16, Paul writes this. I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Again, in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, he says, but the fruit of the spirit fruit singular is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. <laughs> so good doctrine breeds good morals. Through, through the proper teaching of the Bible in our local church, we learn morality. We learn uh, that it's wrong to lie. We learn that it's wrong to steal. We learn that it's wrong to, uh, uh, to slander your neighbor. Now listen. You might say, well, even, even bad doctrine teaches you that. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Bad doctrine says, well, you should tell the truth un- unless it would hurt someone. Then you go ahead and tell a lie. It's okay to tell a lie every now and then. It's okay, it's okay to, to take something if you really need it. And, and, and you, you don't know, but maybe God has provided this for you. So go ahead and take it. And, 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 and Right? You're looking at me like, no way. I, you ought to get out there. I, don't do this, but you ought to go out there and listen to some of these guys. What they teach. So good doctrine breeds good morals. You see, we, we teach our children it's never okay to lie. Never. You know what, young people? My grandpa told me something when I was young, and I've lived by it my whole life. My grandpa told me, it's better to suffer for the truth than to profit from a lie. And I've lived my whole life that way. It's, it's never okay to lie. It's never okay to steal. It's never okay to cheat. It's never okay to harm someone. It's never okay to slander someone. So good doctrine breeds good morals. And by the way, it, it breeds good morals for adults too, right? Right? Because it's not right for you to lie on your job. It's not right for you to steal on your job. It's not right for you to, to, to cheat on your job. To slander a co-worker so you can get ahead. Those things aren't right either. And if we have, if we have biblical doctrine, if we have good doctrine, we're going to be taught that these things are wrong. And they're going to breed good morals in our life. We live, do you realize we live in a perverted society? You know, when I preached the other evening, I, I didn't want to be a doom and gloom preacher. But you know what? You better open up. You better wake up and open your eyes to the world we live in. And you better you better start preparing your child, your children to live in that world, to live in the world that will be. Because as bad as we may think it is now. To quote the song, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get a lot worse. So we live in a perverted society. We live in a society where evil is considered good and good is called evil. And that's the scriptural thing. In John chapter three, we read, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light 
because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, and his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. The world loves darkness, but we are not children of darkness. We are children of the light. So we should walk in the light. We should live in the light. We sh- our, our behavior should be such that enlightens others, not adds to darkness. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Paul states, For ye were, ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So we are to walk as children in the light. My dad was a, my dad was a, was a, a, a pretty um, influential person in our, in our community. I, I come from a very small community. Might have had 200 people live there. But my father was, was a very influential man. And my, my dad was very disciplined. He was, a, he was a former drill sergeant in the Navy, and, and he was a very disciplined man. And he raised his children very disciplined. So out in the community, if we misbehaved, people would say, hey, you're an Abshar. You're not supposed to behave that way. Now, we weren't in, I'm not trying to say we were somebody special, but listen, we are children of light. We're not to dwell in the darkness. We are to bring light to the darkness. We go to work and we bring light to work. We, we do things honest. We do th- the right things. We do the, the, the honest things. Uh, we go to the grocery store. We're, we're not to bring dark. We're not to go in and, and, and join in with darkness. My, my grandkids the other day wanted to, we were walking by over in Raley's, they got these little bins, and in there they have the chocolate-covered raisins and chocolate-covered almonds, and you can scoop them out. And my grandson wanted one. He said, Papa, can I have one? I said, no. You can't have that. That's, that has to be bought. But, but I want one. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll buy you some. And I put some in a bag, and I put a thing on it, and I, I, I rolled it up. He said, can I have one now? I said, no, we've got to weigh it and pay for it first. Years ago, my, my son, when I used to travel, um, I'd go and I'd buy these little, you've seen them before, these little bit of travel things, you know, the little travel items, shampoo and stuff like that. And while I was picking up some stuff, he grabbed one. I didn't notice. He was, he was young. He was about three years old. He grabbed one. I didn't notice it. And we walked out the store and we're on the way to the, we're on the, way to the car. And he, he goes, I got one, Daddy. And I said, wait a minute. Where'd you get that? He said, well, I grabbed one in the store. So I told him, I said, we got to go pay for that. And we turned around, walked in, we paid for it. I wanted him to understand, you don't steal. It's never okay to do that. But if you go to, if you go to a church where the wrong doctrine is taught, where corrupt doctrine is taught, you're not going to get convicted about things like that because it's no big deal. It's part of life. So we're to behave as children of light. And light is found in good doctrine. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
weigh everything that we do against the word of God. And if it does not, if it does not agree with the word of God, then don't, don't, don't get involved with it. Number three, letter C. To virtue we add knowledge. And knowledge is wisdom. Turn with me to James chapter 3, if you would. We're real close. James chapter 3. And let's look at verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or life his works and meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Uh, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So our, our knowledge is, is to be in, in the wisdom of Christ. We're, we're to study. Paul told um, Timothy to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we are to, we are to have knowledge and we gain knowledge by study. Uh, yes, in, in, in Sunday morning, uh, Sunday school classes. Yes, in, in, through the preaching of the word, we gain knowledge. But far more than that, you are going to have to, on your own, study. You're going to have to take time out of your own life to, to study the Word of God. If the only thing a student ever do, did was show up for class, how many of you think that he would rise to the top of his class? No, 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 no. You have to do, what do you have to do at home? You have to do homework, you have to study. Any of you ever cram for a final exam? Huh? I wish I could have back every hour I spent cramming for final exams. But why do we do it? So that we can be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? You see, the average, the average Christian comes to Sunday school, brings their Bible, opens to the scriptures being taught, close their Bible, go home, throw it on the couch or on the table, desk, and it sits there until next Sunday. That's what the average Christian does. You want to be above average? You've got to get in this book. And, and just what the pastor gives you is not going to be enough. It's great, and it's good. And if, 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 you, if you apply what the pastor teaches you to your life, uh, you're you're going to do well. But if you really want to excel in this life, you, if you really want to mature as a believer, you're going to have to get into the Word of God. So, uh, knowledge, which is wisdom. Then letter D. <clears throat> to that we add temperance. And by temperance, temperance we are talking about self-control. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means... When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You see the, you see the self-control Paul exhibits there? He, he said, I examine myself. I, I keep under my own body. I, 
I, I govern my, I, my own heart. <laughs> there are two types of discipline in this world. And every child has to go through both. The first I call imposed discipline. This is a study sheet, but you might want to jot it down. The first I call imposed discipline. This is where someone else imposes discipline upon you. This is the role of a parent. A parent imposes discipline on a child. No, you will not. No, you cannot. And if they disobey, you discipline them. You spank them. You don't beat them. You spank them. Now, imposed discipline leads to self-discipline. If a, child has, if a child receives imposed discipline as he's growing, he will learn how to discipline himself. And he will reach a stage where he'll say, no, that's not right. And he won't do it. Now, if a child never receives imposed discipline, he's never going to learn self-discipline. Because if he's not taught to, to, to resist, he's not going to grow to resist. So that leads to an adult with no self-discipline, which leads back to impose discipline because the police will start imposing discipline upon their lives. So if you want to see your child grow and become an adult who's not, who doesn't have discipline imposed on him by the police, then you better teach him discipline when he's a child. And, and listen, you can't, you can't reason with a three-year-old. You can't do it. We put up our Christmas tree yesterday. My wife this year, she bought a little train that attaches and goes around the tree. And Noah was absolutely fascinated by that train. And he wouldn't leave it alone. And I kept telling him, don't touch that, Noah. But he would touch it. I said, do not touch that, Noah. So the third time, I walked over and grabbed his hand and gave him a good swat on his hand. I said, do not touch that. He stepped back. And then here it comes again. He goes, ooh, ooh. And he stopped. Because he saw me when he went, ooh, ooh. He looked over at me. I said, ah. And he stopped. Now the average person will say, don't do that. Don't touch that, Noah. If you touch that, I'm going to come over there. Stop touching that, Noah. Don't touch that thing, Noah. Leave it alone, Noah. And it goes on. Please, stop. Get over there and do something about it. So, if you want temperance in your life as an adult, if you want self-control, you have to, it has to, listen, discipline has to be taught. Children aren't born with discipline. And, and if you don't teach them, they're never going to gain it. And if you go to a church that doesn't believe in the biblical principles, then you as a believer won't have discipline. How are you ever going to teach your children discipline? So, Good doctrine gives us temperance, gives us self-control. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived. Evil communications and false doctrine definitely qualifies as evil communications. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So then, letter E, we add to that patience, and patience is endurance. Endurance. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, My brethren, count, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting 
Nothing. Now let me just simply say, patience comes by experience. When you experience things, you become patient. You don't panic. You don't, you don't, for lack of a better term, freak out. Patience comes by experience. Experience is gained by testing. So as the, Lord, as the Lord puts us through different tests in life, he doesn't do it to punish us. He doesn't do it to, 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 to find out whether or not we're going to obey him. He already knows whether we're going to obey him or not. The Lord puts us through trials and testings to teach us patience. He puts us through those things to teach us that he will provide, that he will take care of us. And we learn patience. We, we develop endurance. Uh, Matthew eighteen seven. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must need be that offenses come. You see that? Jesus said trials are going to come. Trouble is going to come. Not might, not maybe, will. Everyone in this room right now is either in the midst of a trial, has just gone through a trial, or is about to go into one. Because trials do come. Testings do come. And from them we learn patience. We learn to endure. Our doctrine prepares us to face trials. And when they do come, we can patiently endure because we have the comfort and the assurance from the word of God. So then to patience, letter F, we add godliness. And godliness is discipline. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 together. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm looking at the clock and I'm a prophet. Uh, We're not getting to point number three. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 22. Oh, let's back up. If, let's back up to verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversations the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, uh, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, Putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbors, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that ye may have to give to him that needeth. <clears throat> let not no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not... The Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Godliness. Putting away all these former things. Let him that stole steal no more. Speak truth to your neighbor. Don't lie to one another. Uh, don't envy one another. And all the, all the things that he just discu- discussed. Godliness. <clears throat> this is living a disciplined life. Now this is different from what we talked about a moment ago when we talked about self-control. We are, this is applying self-control. So we learn temperance 
But then we apply godliness to the temperance we learned. We are to live godly lives. You know, I've gone out over the years, I've gone out witnessing. And, and I've, I've spoken to people who said, I know so-and-so who goes to your church. And I'm going to tell you right now, if, if, that, if he, he demonstrates godliness, then I want nothing to do with it. Now, that's sad. That's sad when a believer lives such a life before men that such an undisciplined life that men in darkness see no light in him. And we need to have that temperance and learn self-control. Then we need to apply that self-control to our daily life. We need to be children of light. We need to, to live godly lives. And that's, that's exactly what Paul described here in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, put off those former things. Uh, put on the new man. Uh, stop lying. Speak truth to your neighbor. Uh, be, be angry, but don't sin about it. Uh, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't give place to the devil. Uh, let him that stole steal no more. Uh, right down the line. Let no corrupt communication Proceed out of your mouth. Listen, if you, if you don't have something good to say, something that helps people, then keep your opinion to yourself. We don't, need to, we don't need to comment on everything that goes on. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing at all. And, and right down the line. So we add godliness. But then, uh, letter G, to finish up point two, to, to godliness we add brotherly kindness. And this is love. Love. John chapter 13. A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So we, we're to love. Um, the other day at work, one of, the, one of the ladies, and she's a Christian lady. She claims to be. She told me, she said, I, you know what I hate? I told her, you're not supposed to hate anything. She looked at me. She said, you're right. I don't hate it. <laughs> Listen, we're not, we're not to be children of hate. Um, what the terrorists did in France is a terrible thing. Terrible thing. But are we to hate them? We're to hate their deeds. We're to hate the works of evil. But are we to hate the people? See, and, and, and we've got to be very careful to distinguish, to separate the, the person from the deed. We, we pray for the person. We, we pity the person because they're in darkness. They have no truth in them. And, and we, we stand against their works and, and we hate their works. We hate the fact that they killed all those people. We hate the fact that they hate God. It's okay to hate that, but not to hate the person. And good doctrine will teach us this brotherly kindness, this love for our fellow man. And, and it'll cause us to desire uh, the right things in our heart and mind with respect to those types of things. Listen, I, I, I do not at all preach tolerance for, for terrorism. I do not at all preach sympathy for the, the justice in, in, enacted upon terrorists. 
But you know, I was a pretty, listen to me, and I'll be done. I was a pretty disgusting person before God saved me. Some people may say I still am, I don't know. But I was, I was, I was, I was not very lovable before God saved me. But he saved me. And I don't, I don't know who God will save. You don't know who God will save. So we're to love all men. And we're to, we're to pray for all men. Hate the deeds, but not the deed doer. All right, folks. Well, that's all the time I have. Uh, hope it was a help to you today. Um, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org